Hello, Mountain. It's good to see everybody. Glad you're with us. Home for Christmas. That's the, the name of the new series we're kicking off today. Home for Christmas. Talk about two loaded words, huh? Home and Christmas. They are very evocative words that conjure up all kinds of different thoughts and emotions in each of us. One of the first things that might come to mind when you hear the phrase home for Christmas is what? Home for Christmas, you think of? That's right. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Is this thing on? You think of the song, Home for Christmas, of course, right? You think of the song. You've heard it a million times. You're going to hear it a thousand times more this Christmas season, Home for Christmas. Would you like to hear it one more time? Why not? Sing it yourself, then, if you want to hear it. Let's go. Let's do it. We'll sing it ourselves. Ready? I'll be home for Christmas. Give it your best buble voice here. You can count on me. You old-timer, you give it the Bing voice. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents by the tree. Okay, Frank Sinatra. Let's go to Frank's. Christmas Eve will find me. Where are you going to be? Where the love light gleams. With all the sentimental sap you can muster, everybody. I'll be home for Christmas if only in my dreams. Oh, well done, you guys. Nice job. It was like a multi-campus flash mob right there. The reason we chose uh, those words, uh, home for Christmas, is actually not because of the song, uh, but because those words are so powerful, and because inside every one of us, there's an undeniable longing for home, for the things that home represents. And it seems like at Christmas, that kind of ache for that elusive something we can't quite get our arms around that we associate with home. It seems like those feelings are stronger and they kick up a little more this time of year. And of course, a lot of our thinking about home and Christmas gets into the sentimental and the nostalgic. Some of us remember what it's like being a kid at home. I mean, there's a lot of fun, fond memories for a lot of people. I think of my mom's butter brickle. I think of, um, I think of uh, days as a child in the pajamas at the top of the stairs, the, the Red Rider, uh, BB gun, the new bike. I put on my Facebook a page. I said, tell one of your fondest recollections from your childhood Christmas. Oh my gosh, it's blown up. And I, I haven't looked at it recently, but you ought to go on there, read them, and then write one of your own. It's just fun to recall. People were telling about all kinds of things. That cowboy outfit they got when he was little with a little shirt of star on it and and a certain doll that she got one year and other other families tell her about singing in 12 days of Christmas as they do every year together and uh, putting the star on top of the tree grandma baking the cookies she always used to bake and and the year that the money was lean but dad handmade some gifts and all these memories and things that that kind of go but don't 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 be fooled by all those sentimental remembrances into thinking that the longing for home at Christmas is only sentiment or nostalgia, because it's more. The longing that we feel for home is much deeper 
And it's a tug that's meant to pull us someplace. A personal longing that tells us we're not quite complete yet. Like I'm not home yet. And that we need to find our way home somehow. This kind of perpetual sense, I need to get home. I I want to be home. And that we're not there yet. So how do we find our way home? Well, there's these galaxies of emotion, first of all, we have to admit, that open up when we use the word home, right? Uh, For many people, especially at Christmas, home is this warm, welcome, uh, feelings of of family closeness and brothers and sisters and going to grandma's house and parents and drinking the eggnog together and warm, fond, happy memories, dreams, home. And yet... For many others, the word home triggers pain and brings to mind fights and abandonment and only dredges up memories that aren't pleasant like frustration or abuse or divorce, rejection, emptiness, And some of us have almost learned to try to not get our hopes up for what home could be. But in the process, we've figured out that the longing is still there, isn't it? The longing is still there for some place where we belong, fit in, find warmth and welcome. The magnitude of the pain just confirms the huge place that home hunger occupies in our deepest longings. Isn't that interesting? So no matter what your emotional history is like, no matter what it is actually like or was like to go home for Christmas through the years, we all want to feel at home somewhere, somehow, someday, some way. We're made for that. It's like this universal homesickness. As Lynn Anderson says, home is that elusive something that we have longed for all our lives but have never fully found. Another writer says it this way, we've been lost ever since we left Eden, referring to the Garden of Eden at the beginning of time. We've been lost ever since, wandering in the world, looking for home and getting mighty dirty in the process. And this Christmas will feel the same way, and it might kick up more strongly during Christmas. We're going to talk about families. We're going to talk about um, weirdness in our homes. We're going to talk about um, some of the, the, the grief and loss we feel. And all of them are going to relate to this idea of home that's so elusive. And it brings to mind this scripture from Hebrews chapter 11. This is where the writer is describing people of faith like us, but some of the greats through the years of faith. Talking about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, Moses, all the great ones. And it describes something that I think we can all relate to. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. You've got to live by faith. Faith is when you, you get to see it, but you can't quite grab it, so you've got to live by faith. And that's how they lived. That's how we've got to live. They did not receive the things that, that, that were promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. That's our experience. We welcomed them, but from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers. We're not at home here. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. Looking for a country. That's looking for a homeland. That's us. And we understand what that's like. Now, this longing for home is interesting when you begin to think about Jesus. 
Jesus, after all, I mean, what is Christmas? Isn't Christmas when we say Jesus left his home with the Father in glory in heaven to come and be with us? As John 1.14 says it in most classic fashion, this eternal preexistent Jesus, the Word, became flesh and made his what? Home among us. This, he said, I'm going to live here. He made his home here. And yet you get the feeling, don't you, that it was never quite fully home for him either. When you go home, I mean, awesome would be pull up in the driveway and you hear the music coming from the house and the door swings open and it's familiar faces and they welcome, come on in and you smell it and it's home, you know. Jesus comes home. Look what John 1.11 says. It says that Jesus came to make his home here, but his own did not receive him. We rejected him. The door slammed in his face. Welcome home, Jesus. I don't think it felt much like home home to him. You remember how it all began, right? Christmas story. I hope you read from Luke chapter 2 in your homes this Christmas. And when you do, you'll get to that part in verse 7 or so where it says, Mary, the time for her to deliver came and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him up in those snuggly little strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for him anywhere else. Welcome home, Jesus. Oh, you're here? Oh, well, we turned your room into a study. We didn't know you were coming. And then Matthew chapter 2, remember the King Herod, that crazy king, was so jealous about Jesus being the king that he wanted to kill all the babies. And so the angel said to Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, he said, Joseph, you better get up and take that child and his mother Mary and escape to Egypt. Grabbing things, putting things in, getting in the car, throw it, start the minivan, get out in the middle of the night. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Next verse. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. He was a refugee. Think of that. The Lord of the universe living under a blue tarp in a refugee camp with others. Luke chapter 9 58 is where Jesus says, you know, foxes even have dens to live in. Birds of the air have nests, but I don't even have a place to lay my head. He never owned a house, never really had a home. Stayed with others and stayed with friends, and some people welcomed him sometimes, like, hey, we're glad you're here, but those are the same voices who later would say, crucify him. And then his closest friends and colleagues deserted him and fled at his moment of greatest need. And on the cross, he even said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think Jesus understands something of what it's like to be someplace, but to not quite feel fully at home, don't you? And the irony and the beauty of the whole deal at Christmas is that that's why he came, to fix all that, to come to be with and make his home among people who are not at home so they can be at home through him. It's amazing, really. And so we all have this home hunger. How do you, how do you get home? Well, the first thing a lot of us instinctively do when we want to try to get home is we, we think of home as a place, don't we? Home is a place, I mean, to a lot of us. That's 
where I grew up and where I want to go back to try to capture home. I'd go back. Well, this it also happens. A lot of you know, I've, 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 I grew up in Minnesota, and this last week I was home for a couple of days visiting my parents, trying to help with some things around the house. And I was back home there in Minnesota, and I stayed in my old bedroom in my old bed in that old basement of that old house where I grew up, right there on 3rd Avenue. Drove up, could see the front yard, and as soon as I did, as soon as I saw the front yard, there I was. There I was. I just made an amazing catch of that Nerf football. Toes inbounds, turned out and ran right past Kevin Reynolds all the way to the end zone, spiked it in the dry neighbor's driveway. There I was. It was amazing. It was spectacular. Oh, here comes Doug, right down, right down the street on his, sco- on his uh, skateboard. Doug always came down the street on the skateboard, you know, and I shouldn't probably hang out with Doug very much, but uh, I did, and he always got me into trouble. But then eventually, we'd, you know, Mom would call us home for dinner, and we'd come in and, you know, maybe some tater tot casserole or something. And there I could see right in the picture window, there was my dog Muggs up on his back legs. He just ruined the, the paneling, the, the tile, I mean, the, the, the frame of the window because he's always up there with his scratching. He's sticking his head underneath the curtain to look out and see what's happening. And there I could see him in the picture window. Except that I was jolted into reality and brought back to the present moment. <laughs> And there was no football anywhere nearby. I don't even know where Kevin Reynolds lives anymore. He doesn't live there. In fact, I don't know who lives in that house. I don't know anybody on this street anymore. All the houses are different colors. Doug Frutiger, I don't know where he is anymore. That tree's grown so big in the front yard, you couldn't throw a football on it if you wanted to. And my dog, Muggs, he's not in the window. He, he died 30 years ago. It was my home. Not anymore. They say you can't go home. Maybe that's what they mean. You try, but it's different. You're different. Things are different. Mark Twain said a man who goes back to his home is trying to go back to his childhood. Maybe so. The question is, when you try to go back to your childhood, what are you trying to do? I think the answer is we're trying to go home. Somehow. I went home, but it was... Mostly in my dreams, as the song says. It's like I was homesick for something that only existed in my memories, and they were fading. One time I remember going home with my kids when they're young because I wanted them to experience something of it. I wanted them to understand. I wanted them to feel it and absorb it and, and feel the, the, the legacy of the generations and the, the appreciation for what it was and all that. It wasn't working. It just didn't work. It didn't work at all. Everything was wrong about it. It just didn't work. It's like, what's, Dad, why are you crying? They said, I don't know. I, did, I, don't, I can't explain it. Except maybe that some of my homeness was being erased and lost forever, and it just makes you long for it more strongly, doesn't it? For whatever it is that we're looking for when we try to go home or find it or grasp it, home is not a place. Home's not a place. I don't care if you've lived on the same homestead for three generations and 40 years and farmed that, t- that ground. It's not home. It's not really home. They say there's no place like home for the holidays, no place like home. Well, the truth is there's actually no place that is home. Home is not a place. And in one sense or another, we're a little bit like Jesus. No place to lay our head, wandering refugees, no room in the end looking for home. 
If home's not a place, then maybe home's a person. It feels like we're getting warmer, doesn't it? People. Other people, friends, family, those close to us. Now that, surely, whatever home is, whatever the feelings of home are, they have more to do with relationships than real estate, don't you think? That old song by Edgar Guest, it takes a heap of living in a house to make it a home. It's the people in the house. It's the relationships that make it home, right? It's not just the physical house. Sometimes a person can make you feel secure and welcome and at rest and home, accepted, loved. We cling to intimacy and strength in others, especially sometimes in families and it just hints toward home. So there I am in Minnesota, and I'm not home. But I go in the house, and there, my mother's familiar face, my dad's embrace, and a thousand other things about them that I can't even explain to you that are so them, and I know I'm home. In that old house, that's not my house. People. I went to a birthday party Wednesday night for my niece, Kristen. She's 34. We ate pizza and sang songs and blew out candles just like you would at your house. And there I was as I looked around that room at my brother and his wife, who I'm so close to, and their kids and their spouses and the nephews and the little nieces, everybody crawling around my mom and my dad. And I realized I had, to, I had to use a GPS to get to that house, but I was home. People. Right? People. Went to the Walmart because I'm a big spender for the birthday party. Got her a Chia Pet. But there in Walmart, everybody's wearing purple. Everyone's wearing purple. And you know what? Not a single one of them was, was Raven's gear. <laughs> All Viking stuff. Everywhere you go. You catch your eye and you look and it's, it's Vikings, Vikings, Vikings everywhere. And there's Minnesota people. It was about 30 degrees. They don't, they don't wear coats because you don't need a coat if it's 30 degrees. And they're walking around. These people, they got their boots on but no coat. And they leave their car running because that's what they do. And they see you and they don't even know you, but they talk to you because they're Minnesota nights. How you doing? Oh, good. Hey, yeah. Boy, that's quite a game. Yeah, we should have got that one. Got away from us, you know. Well, yeah, geez, we had it in the bag. We should have got that one. Yeah, well, maybe next time. Hey, you have a good day. Eh? Okay, for sure. You betcha. Yep. These are my people. I'm home. I'm home. People, right? Home's not a place. If we think maybe it's a person or people, be careful. Be careful. Be careful with that one too. I remember the day we got the news that Carla's dad had taken a turn for the worse and they said, well, the family, you better come on in. I stayed with the kids. Carla jumped on a plane back to Iowa where she met her siblings and her mom. Her dad, Gerald Lund, was a giant of a man in a lot of ways, physically, his hands as big as hams, hands, fingers like sausages, you know. But that was fitting for the kind of patriarch he was at the head of the clan, the center of the home. Thir you know, five kids and 13 grandkids, and he was like a big, bold lighthouse that we all gathered around on that side of the family for years. until that cold, windy day when they all gathered around his bedside and held his hand and stroked his head, sang his favorite hymns, and reminisced together until the light 
that was in him flickered out, and he slipped into the arms of Jesus. And he was gone. It was like an earthquake, in a way, where a chunk of home broke off and slipped into the sea. We cling to a person sometimes because of what they represent for home for us. But then they slip away, and part of home does with it. Now, that old house in rural Iowa, that small town, they sold it. Family's still strong, still get together. Next generation's coming along fine, but it's different. Home's different. And that day we got a reminder of what we all know, and that is that you can't really pin your longing for home on a person either because people, well, they die, they disappear. They disappoint, or they desert us, or disgust us. And when their lights go out, we're left in the dark with that same longing for home that's sometimes stronger, and not knowing our way home, even more so than when we began. So home's not a person. As we leave each other, they don't stay with you. Even the tightest and best of relationships, even the ones that our closest, they leave us partly lonely. Henry Nouwen says, we all long to break our loneliness and find relationship that offers us a sense of home and experience of belonging, a feeling of safety. He nailed it, didn't he? But when we're lonely and we look for someone to take our loneliness away, well, it always leads to a kind of disillusionment. Because while relationships provide some sense of companionship and connectedness for a while, it never really gives us lasting happiness. And then we just discover all over again that any human being will never be able to fulfill our deepest longings. All human relationships have these limits. And the pain and the longing for home just increases So pursue wholesome, God-centered relationships with all your might. Better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. But also know that there will always be a certain degree of homesickness that goes with it because the best relationships fall short. People die. They disappear. They disappoint. And all that makes us feel that tug that home is about even more strongly, doesn't it? So we have this realization, home, it's not a place, it's not people. We don't have time to go through all the hints and the pointers that the Bible gives us toward home. You want to find your way home, there's a lot of help in the Bible. A lot of it comes down to something as simple as this, love God, love people, and serve the world. You want to find your way home, you love God, love people, serve the world. The purposes of God. The purposes of God are one of the ways we start finding our way home. Get your life involved in the purposes of God. When someone taps you, looks you in the eye and says, I know exactly who you are. I made you. I handcrafted you. I know all of the mess ups in the past. I know all of the potential for the future. I've got a job for you. 
Now you rise up to your best self and you realize, I'm finding my way home. That's what I'm here on this planet for. I'm not here to suck air and take up space. I have a job to do in God's purposes. And you're starting to find your way home when you involve your purpose in life with God's purpose. It's a hint. It doesn't get you all the way, but it'll get your feet in the right direction. Serve the world. Another hint is the people of God. I know we said a person can't ever fulfill ultimately, but you know what? The people of God, the church, the forever family of this circle of believers who gather around Jesus, oh my goodness, friends, church people, individuals, will disappoint and disgust you sometimes. But you will never find more home than you will find in the kind of love relationships that happen between God's people. When the church is working right, there's nothing more like home on the planet. It's only a pointer. It won't get you there. Love God, love people, serve the world. Doing the purposes of God with the people of God, it'll get you started, get you aimed that direction. But we've been circling it. And let's just spiral right down to it. Home's not a place. It's not people. It's hinted at through the purposes of God and the people of God. But we all know those still leave us longing for home, a longing that can only and ultimately be fulfilled in God. God is our home. God's our home. Through a relationship with the one God who came among us to make his home here, who became homeless, who became a refugee, who was born in a place where they didn't have room for him so that we could always be at home with him. True home is in God. And all the things we ultimately long for when we say, I long for home, belonging, love, acceptance, truth, love, light, safety, Warmth, all of it, is only in God. Home is where God is. Jesus is God, and Jesus is here. I love, I love the words of Psalm 27, verses 4 and 5. It expresses the ache of all of our hearts. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I long for the most. This is what I seek. This is what I'm hungry for. If I could just be, dwell in the house of the Lord, if I could just be at home with God all the days of my life, I'm not talking about heaven in the by and by someday, but right now today, if I could just be with God to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, to seek Him in His temple right here, right now, for in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His home. Amen. That's what we want. That's what we long for. Home is where God is. So Jesus says, okay, well, listen, don't freak out. Don't panic. John 14, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Let me tell you, he says, trust in God. There's that faith, just like the ancients in Hebrews 11. Faith. They had faith to the end. You trust what you can't quite see and grab yet. Trust in God and trust also in me, Jesus says. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? 
When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And this is the promise that one day we ultimately are at home and at rest with God. But listen, don't miss the fact that you think someday is, is, is the only time you're ever going to be home. Friends, heaven is not the goal. Some people say, I just want to go to heaven when I die. Well, it's like, okay, great. I don't have any other plans either. But you're missing something. You're missing something. Heaven isn't the big deal. Heaven is nothing except for the presence of God. The presence of God. Home is the presence of God. And that, Jesus says, because he has come among us, we are able to experience now in the ways the ancients could never dream. Because God has come, our Emmanuel, God with us. And you can experience the presence and become more aware of the presence of God in your life every moment and every day. And as you do, you start to feel more at home wherever you are and whoever you're with. I love the story of Moses. He thought he was going to go home to the promised land. His whole life, you know, I was waiting for years, going to go to the promised land, going to go to the promised land, going over to Canaan, going to cross over the Jordan. Here we go. We're going to go to the promised land. Like a carrot on a stick, he was going to the promised land, except when it got up to the end, it never happened. Here was a guy who longed for home because he, remember, he was a prince in Egypt. He grew up in, in, in Egypt. He wasn't Egyptian. He's a Hebrew. So he left there. But then he got stuck out in Midian watching his father-in-law's sheep. Who wants to do that for a life? So he left there. And then for 40 more years, he wanders in the wilderness with the people of God, trying to get to the promised land, trying to get home. And right after the last, God pulled the rug out from under his feet and said, no, Moses, you're not going in. It's going to be Joshua. He's in, you're out. And you might think, wow, what a disappointment. But I don't think it's a pathetic story of a man who never got home at all. Because Moses had a relationship with God and experienced the presence of God. It says they spoke as friend speaks to friend, and he knew home was not a place on the other side. of. He knew it was a presence, and he already had that. And my friend, so can you. Whatever wandering you have done through your life here, there, and all about, just like Moses, you can know the presence of God like he did through Christ. The Bible says in Deuteronomy that Moses went up on a mountain and God himself was there when he died and God somehow buried him up there and he slipped into the arms of the Father and he was home. And there's no better and other place you want to live than in the arms of the Father. Home is God. God is our home. And Jesus is the one who says, Matthew 28, I'll be with you always. You let him be your home, and he will never leave or forsake you. You can run, you can hide, but he's your home. So surrender, come home. Jesus is our home. God, we thank you for these holy longings that you planted inside of us the yearning for home that tugs us toward you. God, may we turn, receive, 
and fulfill the longings of our heart in you. May each one, as the song that we sing at Christmas says, just say, oh, Jesus, our Emmanuel, come to us, come with us, and abide with us, O Lord, our Emmanuel. We pray in Jesus' name.